Welcome to your off-week content for the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that isn't really sure that this should technically be called an off-week. Is it a bonus off-week? Can off-weeks be bonuses? Anyway, thanks again for your patience, crew. Back from the trade show I had to work last week, so getting caught up with punching out the next episode of the campaign, which will be out next Monday featuring the One Piece battle in its entirety. Going to knock it out as a supersized episode. I may still split it up into two releases, but they'll drop in the same day, just because the feedback is generally that you guys like uh, about the 60-minute episodes. So either way, you're getting 100% of that fight next Monday, whether I break it up into two episodes or not. In the meantime, enjoy a delightful conversation with the One Page Mage. He is a one-shot slash micro-adventure creator who publishes to Patreon and to Instagram and to other socials, was really engaging to speak with. I've been a fan of his content for quite some time and would love it if you said thank you for him appearing on the show by heading over to check out his stuff and support it and maybe subscribe or at least give him a like and follow and retweet. You can find his information in the show notes below. Two reminders. One, Gimme the Loot and all its associated content is not family-friendly content due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, and gore, although I'm pretty sure we're on our best behavior on this one. And two, this is a rebroadcast of streaming content, so the audio will be a little bit less edited, a few more bits, barbels, and bloobles than you're going to get in the main cast. So either way, this was still a fun interview. Thanks again to OPM for taking their time to jump on. If you want to catch these streams live, or actually live now Mondays at 7.30 Central Standard Time, with bonus episodes coming up on Fridays and Saturdays and from time to time. So head on over and follow us at twitch.tv forward slash gmdlcast or over on Twitter at gmdlcast to get those notifications. And of course, the video content for all our other bonus stuff will be up on our Patreon feed over at patreon.com forward slash GMDL cast. So cool. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the rebroadcast of the show. Hey, everybody, Sneak Attack. Welcome once again to another episode of the Guest Quest, the uh, tabletop community interview show brought to you by the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that has character art. Look, I squinched it down and I put it in the little bubble things and I leave the empty brackets to make the people who don't show up feel guilty. Uh, joining us this week uh, to talk about uh, writing content uh, and keeping it simple is uh, One Page Mage, OPM. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks. Hope you're doing well also. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, here with me tonight to uh, ask the mage how he uh, does his magic are... Uh, this is Moyle Bear. I play Moyle Mossberg on the Gimme the Loot podcast. Uh, I'm hello. Oh, hey, hey, whoa! Is your full name Moyle Bear? Is that just like? Uh, well, no? I have I have a middle name, but uh, I'll reveal that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, uh, I'm Smokey Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jamie. I play Eldernon. Give me the loop podcast. And I am Anthony. I play Baba Tunde on the Give Me the Loop podcast. And uh, so, guys, One Page Mage is a uh, one-page, one-shot adventure um, writer slash content creator. Um, he, I actually stumbled onto him very, 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 very early into my uh, journey into to, to TTRPG social media, and I've been been a follower for for quite some time. Um, he creates easy to prep, uh, <laughs> great for last minute, um, and easy to adapt campaigns. Um, he's got a variety of modules available uh, that that can do a lot of different things and wanted to get the opportunity to have him on and talk a little bit about um, uh, writing, uh, writing uh, one shots, writing uh, in the particular style that he writes in. 
um, and uh, kind of what how, what his approaches were to, uh, to to that particular craft. So, but before we get started, guys, roll initiative. We are uh, we are in the new content or con- uh, uh, um, uh, format. There we go. That's it. Well, I try and figure out why my my video is mirrored and um, I uh, am blurry. That's what I'll be doing this entire stream. I got a twelve. 12. Was that two twelves? Jinx. Seventeen. All right, Jamie, you go first. Moyle uh, and Anthony, give me the roll off, fellas. It's a really lackluster rolling, but fourteen. Great. All right, so we go, Jamie, Anthony, Moyle. Jamie, you are up first, sir. Cool. Uh, so I was curious if uh, when you're creating these uh, one shot, one page adventures, do you usually start with like a big idea and whittle things down to like remove stuff? Or do you start with like a very small idea and just build it up? Very interesting. I usually start with a general premise, very broad, something like I want to write a pirate adventure or I want to write an adventure where there's a particular kind of puzzle, right? Something like that. And I start fleshing out details and then it ends up becoming more than what fits on a page. And then I have to whittle it back down and dial it back a little bit. Cool. That's interesting. So you, uh, yeah, it's interesting that you are, you, you find yourself having to chip back and edit yourself a little bit uh yeah, Anthony? it's it's difficult to fit it all on one page yeah well that's and that's one of the things that i think is you know because i have i have long uh, said that you know dming one shots is one of the trickiest things for for being a dm especially for for performance because you've got a very limited time to start you know achieve and finish an adventure whereas mm-hmm. normal D games man can go on for for quite some time um, it's a completely different context, and I imagine some of that those same constraints apply on the writing side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony, you're up. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of that and ask, like, how long, like, in playtime do these one-shots normally take? Like, mm, I target pretty much everything. One page, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I target everything for five encounters which I find for me typically ends up hitting around that three hour mark that people target for a session. Some of them, it it depends on the style of adventure. Some of them will take a little less time and some of them will take longer. And it also depends on the table, right? Mm -hmm. One thing, for example, my, my first adventure that I published, it's called Into the Haunted Forest. And it's basically just a little forest maze area with some clearings, skeletons pop out, level one, you know, classic stuff, right? Go save the princess, literally. Right. And I ran through that adventure with some new players. Actually, I've run it a couple times with some new players because it works pretty well as an introduction, in my opinion. And it'll take, you know, a good four and a half or more hours, especially when you're talking about rules and stuff. And when you're sitting around a table and you got distractions because it's a family gathering or something, I gave that adventure to a friend who ran our usual group through the adventure on Foundry Virtual Tabletop with, you know, everything just busts out the spell rolls and damage rolls and everything for you. And they burned through the whole thing in an hour and a half. Mm. So <laughs> it, it really varies. And, you know, that's a very combat heavy uh, adventure and you're looking around and trying to figure out which way you go through the rooms and everything. I've got other adventures that are very little combat, maybe just one or two combat encounter. And it's a lot of RP stuff or mm-hmm. looking at a puzzle. And that becomes a huge function of how much the table likes to RP and banter and, and dig into the story deep. Because as you kind of were saying earlier, with a one shot, it it's different. It, it's sometimes difficult to dig in deep and and just keep going. And sometimes you kind of got to move things along. So uh, it can vary, uh, but my target is usually five encounters, three hours. And I put a lot of trust into the GM to decide 
how do I dial this back, spread it out? If I've got a table that likes five-hour games, the GM, I'm trusting to figure out how to stretch that. If you're in time constraints, then you know sometimes you can cut a whole encounter out. Okay. Cool. Andrew? So are you the one running the one shots? Or are you just uh, distributing them out for other people to DM? Because you said you, you gave uh, your first one out to two separate. Well, you did, you ran one of them, the, the, the new people, but then it sounded like you just gave it to your, uh, your regular group to play themselves. Did I misunderstand that? Yeah. I, I generally don't stream or have a, a Twitch channel or a podcast or anything like that. I'll run these for my friends or I'll run something for um, a couple people like to play test something sometimes. Uh, some of these come from sessions that I've already had with my main campaign that I mm-hmm. run for, right? I'll take, you know, they they went off and, you know, had this encounter at a wizard tower or something like that. And I'll take that and I'll just kind of edit it into a one-shot format, even though it came from a broader campaign. And you'll see bits and pieces of that. If you read a lot of my adventures, especially uh, my patrons that, uh, keep up with all the ones I've released, you'll see little connections between them, sometimes explicitly connected. And you'll see things like reoccurring characters or locations. Real quick, I have, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, do you mind if I throw, I've got your nestled waters, uh, which is yeah. one of your free ones. I, if I throw that up on screen. So absolutely. As we're talking about that. All right. Then as you were, sir, keep going where you're going. While I go. Yeah. So, I have done a couple podcasts. I've uh, been on a couple of those as a guest DM, and that was a lot of fun running my adventures. Uh, but like I say, I don't have a regular streaming channel or anything like that. I'm primarily a publisher of the content, and I will post the adventures. If it's a free one, then I'll just post a, literally an image of the text because it all fits on one page, and that's all you need. But then I also publish PDF files for it. If it's a free one, you can download it for free without being a patron. If it's a paid release, then patrons get to download it. Uh, But it's a PDF format and it's a single page. And I also publish it in different formats. So the standard one is the classic parchment theme. You know, everyone likes the the good old player's handbook parchment theme. But I also have a, a high contracts format for people that like dark mode and I have a printer friendly version. And then I have a large print version doesn't fit on one page anymore, but it does have improved accessibility for people with visual impairments and that sort of thing. And I, every single adventure I publish, I make sure I publish in that format because D and D is for everyone. Absolutely, man. That's fantastic. That's, that's really cool. You've got a ton of Patreon content up as well too. I think it's, um, Let's see. Uh, you were currently 23 images, six links, seven polls, 47 uh, posts on your Patreon page so for, the, your, for your patrons. The secret, the secret is, and uh, if, if you kind of are paying attention whenever I uh, post the links further down a tweet and stuff like that, one thing you might find out is that I have a page on my Patreon called the Master Post. Mm. And the free version is called Tier Zero. And it's free. It's the it's the hub for free content. And basically, it's a single post, and that's where everything gets loaded in. So um, it's actually even uh, – it might be even a little more than the actual post count on Patreon because I keep loading stuff and updating the same post. And if you go to that post, you can scroll through and click the links to get to every single one of the adventures I've published so far. Yeah, it's that the, the consistency of your formatting, again, is one of the things that kind of grabbed me because it it does – um, it does present itself really well on social media and I mean, again, very well organized, very well structured, um, great for a kind of grab and go. You can kind of see here guys. Uh, and I think this is pretty consistent with most of your stuff. You've got the, the general intro encounter mm-hmm. one, whether it's an RP encounter two combat encounter three exploration, you've got your DCs in encounter four combat, uh, encounter five combat, then a wrap up and some, an outline for some NPCs. Uh, yep. And then uh, the block of uh, block socials. Um, so, so how did you get started uh, writing uh, uh, TTRPG content and especially TTRPG content in this format? 
Ha, that's a great question. First of all, I want to say thanks for that praise. Uh, I'm really proud of that format and I do love sticking to it because I think that the consistency has value. And the way I got started with it was literally just one night uh, tossing in bed, couldn't go to sleep. And I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about the Delian tomb from Matt Colville. Uh, a lot of GMs out there know it. If if you've ever gone to YouTube and looked up D&D stuff, you probably found Matt Colville. Uh, his running the game series is fantastic. And in the first couple of videos, he basically creates a little one-shot dungeon that you can use to introduce new players to D&D. And I just thought about how great that worked. It was just a few rooms and the outline fits on a single page and you can just print it off and hand it to someone and run. And I was like, there should be more of that. And I found out later that, yeah, one page dungeons are a thing. You see them around, but I really wanted to take that uh, format and that model of just a few encounters and really flesh it out and just kind of and add variety because mm -hmm. that Delian Tomb, it's just one adventure. It's just a level one, one shot. And so I started writing, you know, a level four one shot and a level five one shot and a bunch of other ones. And it's not all dungeon crawls, it's puzzles and RP encounters and exploration and stuff. And I just kind of, you know, I keep coming up with ideas for adventures. So I keep writing them and publishing them. Cool. Uh, Jamie, you're up. Uh, so you kind of answered this a little bit, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. So how like strict are you with the one page uh, rule? Like it, it sounded like you will edit things down <laughs> to, have you ever had to like, just like shrink the font, like to kind of squeeze <laughs> like a table on there that you thought was really important to have, but it didn't quite, it wouldn't quite fit otherwise. Or, or is it, is it something that you would break the one page rule and put it on a second page if like a, an appendix um, if you needed to? And it's just page double-sided. It's, it's just like <laughs> notes for an important test. No, it's it's a single page and it's always a single page. I have very early on, there was a couple because I was still trying to standardize the formats with what font I was using, the trade dress, right? I was still trying to standardize that. And there was a couple times where I ended up when I transferred it to the print-friendly format, it didn't fit on a page anymore. So I had to shrink some font and like fiddle with some things, right? But no, I, I, so far, as long as I'm the one-page mage, it's just one page. The only time that there's a second page to go with it is if, uh, well, I'll give an example. Later this month, I'll be publishing an adventure for patrons that's exclusive to them with a full page color illustration commission for that adventure. I've, cool. I've had illustrations uh, in the adventures before, for example, the nestled waters adventure, it has a little abstract art AI generated thing that just kind of, you know, gives you kind of an idea of the setting and stuff. Uh, but this is a, it's, it's a, uh, a, I'll say a, a well-versed in the TTRPG uh, world illustrator, um, that uh, has their own Patreon and stuff that I'm commissioning just for this adventure. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. So that will be its own page to go with it. But the adventure content is still a page. Cool. Cool. Uh, Anthony. Uh, my question is, actually, I have two. I'm trying to figure out which one I'm going to ask first. Uh, you can, remember, you can bonus action it if they're related. They I love this format. Uh, <laughs> uh, so is uh, Patreon the only way to get the content or could I like piecemeal just like buy a particular one shot that I, that sounds really cool or. Currently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, it's, it is. I'm working on uh, bringing the opportunity to, to buy my content to other platforms. There's, there's a bunch of stuff in the background and, and other content creators know things like this. And that's something that, you know, some folks may be interested to know is that, you know, you, you got to spend a lot of time as a content creator, checking the fine print, mm. uh, things like one, one thing that a lot of people don't know is that if you post to the DMs guild, for example, then you're allowed to use official wizards property, like the, the people and the places and Faerun and Forgotten Realms and all that, mm. but they take a bigger cut of the cost. 
Yeah. And if you publish to drive through, then you're not allowed to use official properties. Uh, but they still take a cut of the cost and it's much more than something like a platform like Patreon. Uh, so uh, in addition to making sure file formats are there and having to go and type, you know, product mm-hmm. descriptions and all that fun stuff that comes with managing a, uh, a platform. Um, I'm just not there yet, unfortunately. Um, but I am looking at getting my content other places. I did just this month in June, uh, put myself on Ko-Fi. Okay. Uh, and I'm offering a uh, postcard to anyone. The first like you know handful of people that donate through Ko-Fi, I'm going to send them a postcard with a one-page adventure printed on the backside. Uh, so that's kind of a early opportunity to get something that otherwise you can only get through Patreon. Uh, but that's that's a good question. I would love to be everywhere. I would love to uh, you know put all my adventures into Roll Twenty and put them on the Roll Twenty marketplace and. Mm-hmm put them all into Foundry and uh, put them up for people that use Foundry to download. Uh, it's just a time thing. And I don't do this full time, unfortunately. Uh, it doesn't doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> all good. Do you want to ask your follow-up, Anthony, or are you want a, bon- you want a bonus section? Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to save, save it for me back around. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Andrew, you're up, sir. Um, I was really curious about your player's handbook uh, parchment theme. Uh, uh, is that did you make that yourself? Is that did you find that somewhere? Is that available to me? I found that somewhere. Uh, it is available to you. Just about every uh, text editing publishing format thing you can find in the world. Uh, <laughs> there's there's some D and D nerd out there. Bless their hearts. I love them for it. Has created a template for it. Uh, so through a very strange uh, series of events, when I was setting this whole process up and starting my uh, developing the format, uh, I ended up choosing to work with LaTeX as my publishing format, which a few people will know is normally an academic uh, like thesis paper software. And it's really not the best uh, choice, but it works for me in some weird ways. And so basically uh, LaTeX, it's spelled like the word latex. Mm. It's the... Uh, D&D template that someone put out there for that. At least that's what it started as. And I made some modifications to make it one more one page made by switching the red to blue and uh, changing the green to uh, a uh, off white color and a couple other uh, things. Reaction. Is that is that um, the one that like you kind of script the pages? Yeah. Like you, you use the scripting language to do the pages? Yeah. So you're, you're getting okay. some real sausage making here. Uh, what that allows <laughs> me to do is I can basically do the whole thing and set it into one format. And all I have to do is comment out one line and uncomment another line. And it switches from the classic theme to the night theme and then do it again. And it switches over to the printer friendly theme. And so it makes exporting really quick once I finish my finish all my editing. Yeah, my uh, my brother did a psionics class before they came out with Tasha's, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's what he used to oh, cool. format it. Yeah, I start with GM Binder. Uh, GM Binder and Home Brewery are probably the most commonly used for people that that put stuff out, and it just wasn't working well for me to switch formats quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's how I end up looking at LaTeX as as one of my options. Cool, 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 cool. So. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that your logo is inspired by Final Fantasy. Um, <laughs> how how what, what how big of a Final Fantasy fan are you, and what's your favorite one? Oh gosh, uh, tread carefully. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh man, you're just uh, we'll judge you. Kind of, yeah, call me <laughs> out and throw me into the into the lion's den all at once. Uh, uh all right, I'll tread carefully. Uh, I am. I'm not a. I'm not a gigantic Final Fantasy fan in the sense that I haven't played nearly as much Final Fantasy as I'd like. Uh, growing up, uh, I played a little bit of six, mm-hmm. and I played a lot of Chrono Trigger. And, ah. uh, so I'm going to cheat and say that's my favorite, even though I know it's a lot of people burn me at the stake for it uh chrono trigger is a fantastic game don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise <laughs> oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> you said 
you said you played Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy. Which which one? Uh, six. A little six is bit. A good one too. Okay. Yeah, I okay. played. I played four. I got most of the way through it before life happens. Yeah. All right. Six, six and seven are the only respectable answers. We're good. I'll listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Hey now. Hey now. I'll listen to you. You're as your blitz, favorite. You're not a blitz, favorite. You're not a Blitzball fan? I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, there is a uh, there's an argument to be made for Final Fantasy IX being in that conversation. I will not all right, hear. D- all right, delete Jamie. Delete Jamie. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm delete not sure him. which one is that is. I'm not sure which one that is. It's the um, one with the black mage on the cover. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. That one's not bad. Um I uh I uh, I played the first one. I I played all of them up through um probably 10 and then didn't play any haven't played any after that logged on to the mmo for five seconds and went oh i don't have time for this oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't get through the character creator before i went oh yeah no i don't have time for this anymore this this is a young man's game i'm out <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it, it's uh uh if i if i jump in real quick yeah go uh, there's actually two additional characters out there not necessarily not final fantasy but there's two you know characters out there in the fandom world uh i guess you could call it that uh i was thinking of as i was uh putting that little mage guy together obviously there's a there's a fair bit of uh inspiration from the final fantasy mage but uh if anyone can at me on twitter and tell me one of those two characters because no one's ever mentioned them Mm. uh and tell me uh the two I was thinking of as I was putting him together, uh, then I'll send them a free one shot from my list of exclusives. All right. There you go. That's cool. Uh, we, we've got enough video game, uh, hardcore people on here that, uh, I think, well, some, somebody will get it. Somebody will get it. Uh, uh, Jamie, you're up. Uh, so I think it seems safe to say that you, uh, prefer DMing, but uh, I, I would like to ask: like, do you have a favorite side of the DM screen? Do you do you get to play as a player often, and uh, do you prefer DMing over playing as a player? I prefer DMing because I just love the storytelling, and I have just so much content that I want to run my friends through. And honestly, a lot of my friends are better at you know coming up with. Uh, fun things as players you know uh they get ideas for you know things to do in town and stuff and honestly i feel like a lot of them are better at it than than i am and it's a lot of fun to watch them so i like being behind the screen a lot i do get to play uh i probably have more opportunities to play than i take and part of that just has to do with you know schedule adulting all that fun stuff but uh, I did get for a while. I was in a campaign. We ran through the entirety of Princes of the Apocalypse, oh, and wow. that was fun. And so, running through that as a player with a good DM and a good group of friends was a great time. That's that's basically the five E follow up to Temple of Elemental Evil, right? That, that's one of the ones I've. I am just now finally going back and harvesting those earlier campaign books for content and. Um, that's one that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. And yeah, lots of elemental evil stuff. Cool. Uh, Anthony. So if you were to take all of your one page uh, stories and put them in a book, huh. what would you call it? Oh, man. <laughs> Several pages. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I've got a short list of options. Ah, see. More than one page. Don't give it away, man. <laughs> yeah. T- TB, work in progress, is, I think, is what he's technically saying. Uh, uh, what? Moyle, you're up, sir. Um, you said, so you have your regular group, um, but then you also said you have uh, new players that you've played with. Where do you find those people? Uh, friend, friend groups. I usually, uh, I've not been one, I guess, again, adulting, right. All that fun stuff. Uh, I I don't, uh, I've never like gone and looked online for looking for game groups or anything like that. A few times it's been, you know, family gathering. I've got a few cousins or someone that I can tell, you know, they're, 
they like playing board games and stuff. And it's like, I think you'll like this, you know, so I'll rope them into playing a game. Uh, you know, old friends uh, haven't seen in a while, you know, uh, since like before college, you know, one time I was going to see a couple friends and I was like, well, these guys have always been as big nerds as I am, as I have. So uh, let's, let's see if they'll uh, agree to play around and uh, run them through one shot. So uh, just like stuff like that, really for me. Very cool. Uh, I guess uh, what, so obviously these are our, our fifth edition friendly. Have you, did yes. you start playing in fifth edition? Do you go back to earlier editions? What, what, what's your, um, what, what, where are your edition roots at? Yeah, I started playing with fifth edition and uh, that's pretty much, you're right. All my content's 5e. Mm -hmm. I did let, there was, um, well, anyway, uh, all my content's 5e as far as D&D goes. Um, and I have gone back for my main campaign that I run with friends. I've gone back to some old AD&D stuff mm -hmm. and read through some adventures and stripped some things out mm -hmm. and put those into my homebrew setting and then reworked them for 5e. Uh, so, you know, as far as inspiration and stuff, I try to go back and read some of the older stuff because there's a lot out there and it's like, why, why not try to burgle some things? And if it's written for level one and my party's at level six, then I got to rework the encounters anyway. So what's it really matter that it's going yeah. from one edition to the other? Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I encourage DMs to do is, you know, it, even if you don't want to run some, somebody through a campaign book or a module, um, don't hesitate to grab it and and use individual encounters or, or snippets of the, the content for, for more practical applications. Like the, the, the Dungeon Master's Guide, especially in 5th edition, sure, has got some general resources for world building and it's got magical items and it's got rules. But, I, I mean, if you really want to really dive into some, some, you know, some of the, the deeper work that Wizard of the Coast has done on constructing encounters and, and broader types of rules. You got to go, you got to go dip into those campaign books. Um, and that, um, e even if you don't run the whole thing, that's where I, I, I get those things and chop them up and remix oh, them yeah. and resource it for, uh, for all kinds of stuff. Um, Kit bashing. I yep. love it. It's, uh, I, I actively encourage folks, if you see my adventures, uh, slice them up. I will not be offended if you don't run it as a one shot. If you just take a single encounter and drop it into your existing campaign or something, please, by all means, they're there to be inspiration for a GM when they need it, right? Whether that's because you're trying to run a one shot at the last minute or because the party decided to wander off into the woods instead of go down the road and you don't know what's in the woods because you haven't written that part of your campaign yet. You know, I got a, I got a kobold cave in the woods adventure just grab it you know uh what whatever you need uh the idea is giving content to dm so that they have what they need when they need it cool uh jamie uh so you mentioned uh that there that you use a homebrew setting uh do you typically use any like homebrew items or spells or abilities as well or do you kind of just stand with stick with the uh the standard 5e uh source material for those things Oh, good question. I use lots of stuff in terms of homebrew items, but I don't do a lot, at least in my uh, main campaign, I don't do a lot in terms of like spells and abilities, races and stuff. Part of the reason for that is because I've got a group that's relatively laid back. You know, this is their first actual campaign uh, none of them really came to the table like saying, oh, I really want to, you know, I, 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 I watched, you know, Critical Role or something. I really want to go build this crazy character. You know, it was kind of, you know, I just kind of gave them some options and told them what the full list was and said, I'll make you something if you want it. And they picked some things that sounded cool and we've, we've been rolling with it. When I run a one shot, I usually tell folks, well, hold on. Let me back up. Depends on who I'm playing with. If it's people I trust, then I'll say, hey, go nuts. Just make sure it's not completely broken, right? If it's mm -hmm. experienced players that I, I know personally and trust, yeah. you know, a lot of times I'll just tell folks in general, I'll say any of the, you know, 
official 5e content is fine if yeah. there's something you really have your heart set on let me know and i'll go look up how well it was play tested and i'll give you a thumbs up or thumbs down uh, as far as my content itself i do put homebrew items and monsters into some of my adventures so occasionally depending on the situation you'll see you know at the end there instead of npcs you'll see items and you'll see a couple uh, new magic items, or maybe right after the NPC section. And same for monsters. Uh, one I'm really proud of in a in a stupid sort of way. Uh, one of my recent adventures uh, takes place on a beach. And so, uh, of course, what kind of adventure would it be if I didn't throw a giant enemy crab at the party? Uh, but uh, since this one is on the beach and not in a dungeon, it's a dungeonless crab oh. as opposed to oh, <laughs> I like it. Very nice. So uh, that's actually the adventure that's on the postcard that uh, I send to folks. So if you want a stat block for a dungeonless crab, uh, I can get you one. That's us. Very nice. That's fine. Very nice. Uh, Anthony. So uh, I'm looking through um, uh, some of the one shots that are on your webpage. And they all have like a recommended level and, you know, three, nine, eight, you know, I, then mm -hmm. I see some that say any, mm. what now, I, I, now I understand what it means, but like, how does that work that a one page could be used for level twos as well as level tens? Ah, that, that's a great question. So there's two scenarios where you'll see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first scenario, the primary place you'll see that is for GM supplements, which is not an actual adventure. It's a little uh, bit of, it's just a one page of me talking about some rules okay. or uh, giving uh, some ideas for encounters. Uh, I've got GM supplements. That's basically, it's just a random encounter table and you could take it and run with it and turn it into an adventure. But really it's just a random encounter table, like for when you're going through the desert and you need something, right? And so those will say any because it's kind of, it's not designed for a specific party, uh, even right. though it may be obvious you when you look through like the desert encounters, like, okay, I this needs to be about level, you know, four or six, something like that. There's one adventure I've published and it was a free adventure uh, for Sword Timber last year, uh, last September I published called Assorted Festival. And that adventure, it actually, I believe it has a level on it. It doesn't say any. Uh, it says recommended level three, but throughout the adventure, everywhere there's a DC or uh, some monsters and stuff, I have recommendations for scaling it to different levels. Uh, and so that one was kind of fun. It's the only one where I was able to really work that in. And I've keep thinking about trying to revisit that model uh but that one technically could be run for any level based on the information on the page uh and bonus action do you tie any kind of experience value to your one shots or yeah. Ooh, i love this question i love this question so a lot of tables do experience points differently Right, of course. And I'm sure there are some GMs that there's probably some who think my content's worthless because I don't do that. I don't have a I don't have the monster XP listed. I don't have uh, you know, a puzzle XP listed or an overall encounter or overall adventure XP listed on them. And I'm sure there's some people who like really wish that I did that because it probably would save them a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I don't do that for a lot of reasons. One is that if I calculate and say this adventure is worth, you know, 500 XP, then another GM is going to be like, what do you mean? This is at least a thousand or no, no, right. I wouldn't get more than 200 for this, blah, blah, blah. The other thing is that it's a one shot. And in my mind, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. you, you design your crazy character, you sit down at the table because Bob can't make it this week and you play through some adventure that you know, you had no plan of playing two hours ago mm -hmm. and you have fun and maybe you give them a TPK at the end because it's easier to do that to characters you just met instead of characters you've been playing with for a year. Or right. maybe 
you know, you walk away and say that was fun and you don't come back, right? But generally speaking, it doesn't matter much. Ah, but what if you really, really like those characters? What if you really, really like that story? I am a big proponent of the idea of when you're making episodic content or making an episodic campaign or miniature campaign, just use milestone leveling. So I have some adventures. For example, I have a series of five adventures. The first adventure is level one. The second adventure is level two. The third adventure is level three, four, and five. And it's just a little flash class crash course miniature campaign. And you just level up each session and you get to work your way through a story over the course of five sessions. I like that. Real quick reaction before I throw you most. Going back to uh, his um, his uh, comment about having them that are DM supplements. The one right now that if you go and look at his Patreon that's available for free is Overlooked Rules. And by gosh, oh golly, if jumping isn't on there, mm-hmm. <laughs> one one of the it's our, our, our favorite rule. One of our the arch nemesis uh. of our campaigns. He's made our life easier. And if you don't think I'm downloading this and saving it, you are 100% wrong because you are the hero our podcast needed in this, in its time. So uh, that's, I just wanted to throw that out there that, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool setup and definitely useful. Moyle. So since you have so many uh, one shots already made, I like the idea of a one shot because I feel like for someone that's new to uh not just Dungeons and Dragons, but ta- tabletop RPGs. It's a good way to dip your toe in it because uh, it's short. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you don't know if you're even going to like your character because there's a whole, I mean, you could spend an entire day or session just building your character and the characters in your group. Um, but with this, you know, you, you're just ready to roll right away. So my question is just for someone that's that's actually new to this sort of uh, this type of gaming, what would you recommend of your one shots to start with that would immerse them in it, get them a good understanding of how to play, maybe not too many rules that would like overwhelm them that they would even need to go and see what anything about jumping. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I think about five level one adventures that I think are all built pretty well for an introductory game. Uh, One of them, that Nestled Waters adventure, is a lot of fun that uh, was mentioned earlier. It's uh, it's actually got... uh, I I really enjoyed uh, writing the plot for it because it's about securing uh, drinking water rights for a village. Uh, So especially uh, depend on uh, your friend group, uh, might really enjoy that. I have another adventure that was written as a collab with the Dian Dago's webcomic uh, called Dago's Get Caught. And that one's also a freebie. And uh, that one, literally, you're in town and uh, an adventuring Dago runs up to you and says, I need help. My friend's been kidnapped. And uh, the party gets to go help uh, some uh, awesome uh, adventuring Dago's uh, rescue their friend. Uh, and then another one, in addition to the one I've mentioned a couple times, Into the Haunted Forest, which is a a good introductory level one adventure uh, classic save the princess thing. I've got one more that I think is really great called a hunted heart. This one is also free. I like making my level one adventures uh, free uh, for the most part, because it makes it easy for people to try them out. Uh, the uh, A hunted heart, that adventure is specifically written for one GM and one player. And it's, it's fighting some like, CR zero, uh, you know, forest creatures. It is running, rolling just a few simple skill checks to kind of get used to the idea of how that works. And, you know, you get a cool little magic item at the end. And it's a nice, simple, straightforward adventure uh, that is great for a first time GM. And it's great for a first time player. Uh, and I really love uh, seeing that one run. I've I've seen it run, uh, or I've been told about it run, and I've actually seen it run once as well. Uh, and it's uh, I'm really happy with how that one turned out. Cool, 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 cool. One of the things that I noticed is a lot of your adventures say that they include VTT files as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, very specifically, your DM supplement uh, references the Foundry. Mm-hmm. Um, are those VTT are those maps? What are, what kind of what kind yeah. of VTT files are coming along with the with the with the one page? Yeah, anytime there's an actual dungeon, which is at least one of my releases per month, uh, I put out a an image file of the map that is scaled for VTT. Uh, starting with, I can't remember how many adventures in I settled on it, but uh, it's pretty much always 140 pixels per square. Uh, for that scaling. And it makes it really easy to just drop it into Roll20 or Foundry and get going. Uh, It started out when I was just getting going. It was just the layout of the dungeon. And now I've got Dungeon Draft and I've been practicing getting better, you know, putting assets on there, exporting a version with and without assets in case someone's really advanced and wants to put their own uh, room uh, decorations in there. And uh, I offer that to my tier two and higher, basically. Anytime there is a map with the adventure, then they get the uh, version of the map that is scaled for virtual tabletop, as opposed to just the really small version that's on the page with the rooms numbered. Uh, two bonus action. Is, is Foundry your preferred VTT or do you, or you have a Rule20 or do you have a perfect? Yeah, Foundry, I'm, I'm not shy about saying Foundry is my preference. We played through that Princess of the Apocalypse game in Roll20. And uh, I mean, our DM spent a lot of time in Roll20 making it a good experience for us. And uh, at the time, he was one of the best people with Roll20 that I knew in terms of, I mean, he was on the forum submitting bugs and stuff like that. You know, one of those people really into it. And about the time we finished up that campaign, Foundry launched and we tried it out. And like the whole group was like, we're never going back. This is fantastic. Um, and so uh, we, we've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's my preferred method. Uh, not going to knock people that use Roll20. I know, especially with their marketplace and being able to buy something that's just all set up real easy. I know there's a lot of people that prefer it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. There's other ones uh, out there too that work great. You know, whatever gets your table playing and having fun that's awesome cool anthony oh sorry jamie 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 uh so i actually i was going to ask the same question as my setup question uh <laughs> but uh i will use my follow-up question uh instead so so uh since you mentioned playing on a virtual tabletop do you prefer playing uh in that method or do you actually prefer playing face-to-face uh, and if uh, you don't have a preference, what are like your favorite things about both? I prefer face-to-face just because I tend to have more fun when I'm hanging around the table joking with my friends. And we still do that whenever we play virtually. It's just, it's obvious that, you know, it's it's just, at least in my experience, it's just a better time sitting around the table. And I also am one of those people that, when I DM, I'm up on my feet because I'm excited about, you know, the mm-hmm. dragon that's about to swoop down or something that they don't know about. And it's just a lot more fun to be behind the screen and kind of pacing around a little bit, uh, getting ready and everything. I will say that there's some really great things about running on virtual tabletops and they're getting better all the time. Mm-hmm. There's there's all sorts of uh, add-on modules and macros and stuff you can do with them now that makes things so much easier. You know, totaling up the damage, something as simple as that, it's way easier. And I actually even put it into my latest GM supplement about overlooked rules. I put carrying capacity on there. Mm-hmm. And all these rules, I basically, I'm like, yeah, this this is what the rules say. And it, I think there's value in enforcing it because of XYZ. And carrying capacity, I basically just said, it's a pain if you're not using a virtual tabletop. I don't really bother with it. Yeah. Cool. But I, I did calculating how much your money weighs to, to be fair. <laughs> right. I, I did. Right. I did ask about foundry largely to make Jamie feel guilty I, for yep, not having yep. us migrated over to yep. foundry yet. That yep. was really, that was really uh, a super passive aggressive question. I knew it uh, to give back at Jamie, but, uh, but thank you for proving me right, sir. I always appreciate that. <laughs> Anthony, uh, real quick, guys, let's uh, let's grab Saga's questions real quick because he asked a couple of good ones from the chat. Um, not about Moyle Bear being underwater, uh, but uh, can I, you can I use some for mine? Yeah, go for it. Uh, wait, are we Should skipping? We Anthony? Wait for- let's go, Anthony first. Then uh, my question is a quick question of if uh, someone were to sign up 
uh, get a membership on and support you on uh, Patreon. Um, does that subscription include the back catalog as well? Like of all the um, uh, one pages that you've done so far? Yeah. So that's one of the cool things about the way I've set it up is that as soon as you sign up, you get access to that tier's entire back catalog. So even at the cheapest tier, you instantly get like 30 adventures. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a weekly game, that's over half a year covered for less than the price of a coffee. Yeah. Right. It helps when the price of coffee keeps going up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that's true. I haven't raised my prices. and I don't really plan to, so oh, no. jump on that before I change my mind. Moil Bear is a is a indicator of inflation. Uh, go, go ahead, go ahead, uh, Moil Bear. I just love that that's always a reference, and I'm like, do you know how much a cup of coffee costs nowadays? <laughs> right. Uh, right. But uh, so Saganato, he asks a, a good classic question: what uh, what genres of movies do you draw from for inspiration, and how do you pull from film to build encounters? Wow, that's a great question. That's really cool. Uh, what genres of movies? So, I mean, generally, the stuff I watch, right, which is, you know, some sci-fi, some fantasy, some action, you know. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm not watching a ton of movies, but, you know, I don't know. I don't have – I'm not a film aficionado or anything, I wouldn't say. Um, how do I turn those into adventures? Well, ah. I probably draw more from books, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, there's there's some stuff written into some of my things that if you're a if you're a Cosmere fan, if you read a lot of Sanderson, it might there might be a little itch in the back of your head saying that sounds kind of familiar, but I can't remember exactly where from. Um, let's see here, uh, music. Uh, I've got a Beatles reference buried in one of my adventures. No one's pointed out yet. Uh, let's see here. Um, trying to think uh, anything else. Uh, yeah, there's at least a video game reference or two in there. Uh, you want to grab well, his other question too, Moyle? When when you yeah, up. go ahead and do that, and I might come back to that because I, I want to make sure I do the do the question justice. Yeah. Do you ever build custom D100 tables, uh, whether it be for botches, critical mm. successes, loot, etc.? I have not done one of those yet but i do build uh not d100 but i have built other random encounters so i've got a random tables Mm -hmm. so i've got a gm supplement called what's in the box i've got a couple adventures that center around the idea of the party being gifted this arcane lockbox that they can't open and when they finally get it open the the gm has to answer the question what's in the box so i got a d20 table to answer that question. I've got some random encounter tables, whether you're in a dinosaur jungle or flying through the sky or traveling through the desert, uh, a few of those. I have a uh, a list of books. Uh, I guess you could uh, use that as a random table. Uh, I've got uh, a list of uh, 12 magic items. If you wanted to roll a D12, I have... Um, uh, I, I include every now and then in my adventures, I'll have like a roll a D6 for a random encounter and I'll have a little miniature random encounter table. Mm-hmm. Haven't tried to tackle a D100 yet, but uh, I'm glad you asked because I'll kind of put that in my noggin and think about uh, where I could work that in in a future release. Well, don't thank me. Thank Saganato. <laughs> thank you, Saganato. And and he said, hey, he shouldn't have been as media specific. He was looking for influences. He'll look he'll look at Sanderson. He appreciates that. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And in terms of how I work stuff in, I usually don't like really try to like, how do I fit a reference in? It's right. more just like, hey, this is a really cool idea. How would I put that in a D game? And then from there I think about, well, if I don't have, you know, infinite sessions to build that up, how do I distill it down to the essence of what made me think this was cool and let me put in a single encounter or let me make that the plot hook and then take it another direction. Cool, cool, cool. Hey guys, we are at the last couple of minutes of our time. So we're going to do a lightning round. We'll go real quick, fast questions, no bonus actions, no reactions, one last round. And then, uh, we'll, uh, we'll let uh, one page mage ask you guys a question. 
uh, if uh, if you should show choose to do so. And then we'll uh, we'll do we'll talk a little bit about his uh, his Patreon levels and and where you can find his stuff. Uh, so real quick, uh, my uh, my lightning round question is, and it may be totally incidental, but when you look at your encounters, you've got release number FR dash ten, which has got some real first edition. Uh, module vibes <laughs> to it, and again, maybe one of the reasons why you kicked a nostalgia uh, nerve when I found your stuff is that is that intentional or just uh, serendipity? A a little bit. Like I said, I kind of got this idea uh, after watching some Matt Colville, and you know, he recommends some things like Against the Cult of the Reptile God and the Village mm-hmm. of Hamlet. And so, FR, I'll I'll run through them real quick. It's lightning round, right? FR stands for free. Ad- free release it's adventures that are available publicly pr stands for patreon release meaning at, at the time of its original release it was exclusive to patreons sp stands for special release so it's something that was written originally under special circumstances so maybe i wrote it uh, for a charity event or something like that so it didn't come out through my patreon initially ds is for a dm or gm supplement and uh, that's currently the uh, prefixes I use for my releases, my standard releases. Cool. Jamie, go. Lightning round. Uh, so before we were uh, going live, we had a brief conversation about you making your uh, first adventure in Mario Maker with the Legend of Zelda skin. So I have a two-parter real quick. Uh, do you have a favorite Mario game and a favorite Zelda game? Oh, gosh, it's really hard to pick between three and world. I got to give the edge just barely to world because it's I played it a little bit more during some formative years, but I played a lot of Mario three, uh, both before and after those years. Those are the two best answers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'm sorry, the I was thinking so hard about that. The follow up was was it a favorite Zelda. Was that yes. the question? Yeah. Uh, so that's got to be uh, as. I know I'm going to get I'm going to get uh, strung up for this one, but uh, the the I'm not going to say Ocarina of Time, uh, and I'm not going to say Breath of the Wild either, even though it's amazing. I got to give it to a link to the past. Yes, uh, again, yes. going back to those <laughs> going back to those formative years. So many fond memories. I've actually uh, spent some time lately looking at the link to the past randomizer community. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. Awesome. Yeah, the fact that Super Mario World, Link to the Past, and Super Metroid all came out on that same same console within that same time frame is crazy uh, overall. Anthony, lightning round question. Uh, I'm Dodge Action. Oh, Moyle Bear, close us out. So you've been doing 5e. Were you introduced to D&D before that? Uh, had you heard of it? Before I had. 5e? Yeah, so really interesting. So. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, 5e is where I started playing D&D, but I had heard of it beforehand. And I've I've told a version of the story at least once before, but I'll do it quickly for the lightning round. Way back when I was a kid, I'm talking like four or five or something like that. Uh, my older brother, who's eight years older than me, uh, tried taking my brother, my, our other brother, and myself through a TTRPG with like no dice or anything. It was all just story driven, uh, like decision making stuff. And uh, don't even really remember if he was basing it on any rules or anything. Uh, but I knew about that. And I did try in college to play a round of All Flesh Must Be Eaten. And it wasn't clicking for me for some reason. Uh, I think maybe because we were all new to it. Uh, and then if you know, good few years later, a uh, similar group of friends got together to play 5e and it clicked and it's been a blast ever since. Well, cool. Real quick, gang, uh, just to uh, to give everybody a snapshot. Uh, of course, you can find uh, One Page Mages content at patreon.com forward slash one spelled out one O-N-E page mage um, for three bucks a month. That gets you the acolyte mage, which gets you access to uh, two to three one uh, one page one shot adventures per month, um, and including all the back catalog alternatively formatted PDF files. Um, for stepping up to the adept mage for five bucks a month, uh, you get access to prescaled images files for the VTT platforms, plus bonus supplements and guides. Uh, for fourteen bucks a month, you get the adventure remixes about once a month, draft previews behind the scenes, the open request box. 
Uh, and then for 30 bucks a month, uh, stars in his eyes and a custom NPC for an adventure, which is a one-time benefit as well as of course, all obviously all previous tier rewards as you, as you kind of go up, go through that. Uh, you can find uh, one page mage at, as of on the aforementioned Patreon, uh, which just for six giggles, let's go ahead and get that link in the chat. Uh, and then uh, uh, onepagemage.com uh, over on Reddit at uh, onepagemage. Uh, imager, I'm old. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Imager, is that what? Imager? No. Uh, imager. At onepagemage. Yep. And then Twitter at onepagemage. You're also, you're still on Instagram, right? On, at I am. I'm yeah. terrible about remembering to go post stuff because yeah. it always ticks me off because my stuff's never formatted in a square. And it's a, mm. I, I just end up getting distracted before i take the time to post there so but yeah, yeah i'm there i'm we're, around we're terrible about keeping up the instagram too like once every three or four months i'll remember to go and grab screen caps from all <laughs> our previous streams and tag everybody and, and drop everything out well well gang we're gonna wrap it up uh, mr mage do you have a question for the cast yeah so uh, uh my my question is this whenever you're playing an adventure uh what is the feeling you get when the GM drops a monster that you haven't heard of and you know it's homebrew and you don't know what's about to happen next? Jamie? Go first. J Jamie's doing initiative. initiative order. Yeah, initiative right. order. Uh, so usually uh, it's oh shit is the first reaction, <laughs> uh, followed by okay, this is probably going to be a badass. Uh, <laughs> usually, how it goes for us, Anthony. Uh, let's see, it depends on who's DMing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with with Turner, like it's always okay, there's probably more than meets the eye here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm immediately assuming whatever action I commit to first is probably the wrong action. <laughs> uh, with my brother, who is my other GM, uh, it's, it's shit your pants, run away, where's the exit? This thing's probably going to kill you. <laughs> Andrew? Uh, to me, well, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Everything's new to me. So I don't know what's homebrewed. I just think like Turner will confidently say, this is a da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like looking around. I'm thinking to myself, do these guys know what that is? These guys must know what that is. Anthony must know what this is. <laughs> you know, like he could be like, this is a space blob. And I'll be like, okay, maybe this is a Star Trek references. And it must have been taken into some DM <laughs> manual or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, the, I don't know. The extra challenge. I, I, Andrew, I just hope I can survive, you know? Yeah. The, the extra challenge for Andrew is I probably mispronounce it the first couple of times, <laughs> at least as, as well. I'm terrible at pronouncing the traditional monster names a, a, as well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're in a little bit of a unique situation because um, we, um, half of the cast has, is relatively new to D&D. Um, Jazz and Anthony are experienced players, whereas Eldrin, uh, I'm sorry, Jamie, Andrew, uh, and Harland um, are a little bit less experienced. Um, and since we're doing, um, you know, we are almost exclusively podcast stuff. Um, trying when I when I go, I don't I don't get to just drop monsters, man. I wish I did. I wish I could just take a fistful of goblins and throw them at the guys. But there is a um, kind of additional level of encounter design that has to come in with, with podcast. I mean, not that you shouldn't be doing that for your regular tables as well, but sometimes it's really fun just to, to chop up a bunch of beasties, um, for, for what we do. Um, it's not, it's not always necessarily fun to listen to that though. Um, so there, it, the, the guys get to fight a lot of pop culture references remixed on, um, uh, moving platforms or, uh, you know, disappearing towers or laser beams that will turn them into chickens. There's a lot of different stuff that has, Brilliant. To, come in, has to come into it. Come into it. Uh, and, and generally, if there's anything they ever talk about loving, uh, at some point it's going to try and kill them on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's just generally a lot of that. They they feel the same way as the Ghostbusters did when the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is. That that is the feeling I try to cultivate as a DM. So, that's, that's perfect. That's, that's accurate. I don't know that. <laughs> 
I don't know that reference. You don't. Yeah, I think I, uh, I saw the painting one. Yeah, yeah. So the one where uh, when everybody uh, saw Vigo's head turn into a monster for the first time. All right, gang. Well, we are going to wrap it up. Uh, one page mage has been extremely generous this, this time. We absolutely appreciate it. As always, be sure to get over to his Patreon, his Twitter, his socials, everything that we uh, we have read out and show him a little bit of support, a little bit of love. Uh, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you for your time, everybody who joined us. Hope you enjoyed the stream. Hit the buttons till it stops now.